Have you had those moments when you assumed the world was one way, only to find your eyes open to a completely different world? Of course, it's the same world, really, but seen through different eyes. And that changes everything. I remember several times as a pediatrician when families taught me to see things differently. Each time it was like a veil lifted, and my own prejudices and shallow way of seeing was revealed along with a deeper, more beautiful way of understanding the world. A child was born with extra digits on her hands and feet. It's not uncommon. But as the father made his way to the warmer to see his newborn daughter, I prepared the speech in my head that I hoped would calm any anxiety he might have about it. She does have some extra fingers and toes, I would say, but we can take care of that. Everything else looks great. But as soon as the first phrase came out of my mouth, the father jumped in and said, oh, everybody in my family has extra fingers and toes. She's just perfect. Another time I was a resident in the newborn intensive care unit. A newborn died shortly after birth. Her aunt lived some distance away and couldn't get to the hospital until many hours after the baby had died. But she insisted on seeing her niece. I went to the hospital morgue to pick up the baby's body. Her nose deformed from the way she had been placed in the cooler. Her color blue and her skin cold to touch. Frankly, I thought this was a very bad idea. But when I placed the baby in her aunt's arms, the aunt smiled, pronounced the baby beautiful, and went on to tell me all about how the child's physical features were derived from various family members. Over and over I learned from parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and friends to see the world through the eyes of family, through the eyes of love. When the veil is lifted and we see things in a new way, we usually find that the signs of this more beautiful world have been there all along. But our sight was narrow, and we missed the larger context. As Marjorie Suhaki explains, far more comes into our sphere of experience than we can ever take in consciously. And so our minds have to learn to function selectively. She writes, consciousness is itself the narrowing of focus, the creation of a foreground and a background by lifting this rather than that into significance. As Suhaki says, we end up seeing our path through life as if it were a set of stepping stones on the surface of a stream. But although we only see the stones on the surface, the ones on which we step, those stones are only there because of a whole host of other stones that fill the bottom of the stream. So can we gain a fuller view of our lives? Can we see the larger context by including not only the stones on the surface, but also the ones on which those stones rest, as well as all the stepping stones that we didn't choose to take, but that were present all along? Can we learn to see the world in all its complexity, beauty, and fullness? I think this is precisely the gift possessed by those in our tradition who have come to be known as saints. Saints are those who see the larger context, who know that they are supported by stones they can't see, who know and trust that they are surrounded within and without by the Holy Spirit, 
Richard Rohr reminds us that the Holy Spirit has been described as a river of life. He writes, I believe that faith might be precisely that ability to trust the river, to trust the flow and the lover. It is a process that we don't have to create, coerce, or improve. We simply need to allow it to flow. That takes immense confidence in God, especially when we're hurting. Usually I can feel myself get panicky, he writes. I want to make things right, and right now I lose my ability to be present and I go up into my head and start obsessing. I try to push or even create the river, the river that is already flowing through me. Faith does not need to push the river precisely because it is able to trust that there is a river. The river is flowing, we are in it. The river is God's providential love, so do not be afraid. We have been given the Spirit. Without this awareness of the always flowing river, without a sense that we are supported, we will all succumb to fear and control mechanisms. Well, like us, the saints feel fear. They feel the need to control, coerce, and fix the things around them. But their awareness of the flowing river of God at work in the world, and their trust that God can be found in all things, even in the cross. Well, that allows him, them to see the world through the eyes of Christ and to live lives shaped by the gospel. The lives of the saints are not shaped by the commonplace understandings of our world, where mercy equals being soft on crime. Meekness is just another form of weakness. Peacekeeping is seen as compromising our values, and the pure in heart are as naive as Pollyanna. Instead, the saints inhabit the world of the Beatitudes and show us what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Elizabeth, princess of Hungary, lamented so much the plight of the sick and the poor that she sold her jewels and used the money to establish a hospital. In her life, we see glimpses of a day when hunger and disease will be no more. And we hear Jesus' words, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian who was a leader in the Confessing Church movement, a center of Nazi resistance. Jonathan Daniels was an Episcopal seminarian who died as a result of his participation in the civil rights movement. We look at these saints and dare to imagine a day when a multitude from all nations and tribes and peoples and languages will stand shoulder to shoulder. And we hear the words of Jesus, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The mystic Julian of Norwich is known for her single-hearted devotion to Christ, and her revelations of God's love continue to speak to Christians all over the world. We find in her our hope that one day we will know more fully the presence of God. And we hear the words of Jesus, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. James Hannington, the bishop of eastern equatorial Africa, was martyred on the way to Uganda by the guard of King Mwanga. His last words were, Go tell Mwanga I have purchased the road to Uganda with my blood. We hear the story of Bishop Hannington's life. And we long for a day when there will be no violence, no war, no more bloodshed. And we hear the words of Jesus, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you 
and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, for your reward in heaven is great. But All Saints Sunday isn't just about the people whose feast days fill our liturgical calendar. We hear in the first letter of John, our epistle reading this morning, that we are all God's children now. And so deep within all of us lies the ability to see the world through God's eyes, to see with grace and mercy, to see with the eyes of family and love. We do this very thing today in the celebration of All Saints Sunday. See, the saints weren't perfect people. Sometimes that fact is obscured by the way we remember them, by the way we've come to see them, by the way we've come to write about them. But the stories of the saints are really a testimony to the way in which God can make holy the lives of ordinary people. The stories of the saints are really a testimony to the way in which God can make holy the lives of ordinary people. Michael Coffey is a Lutheran pastor and poet, and he puts it this way. There's a kind of writing called hagiography. It is the way early Christians in particular wrote about the saints. Sometimes this term is used pejoratively to describe an account of someone's life as being idealized or romanticized, or only telling the good stuff. But really, it's about telling the legacy of a life from the perspective of grace and mercy. It's about letting the faults be what they are, but making note of the amazing ways God and Christ created a legacy in that person that caused love to sprout up and grow from the small seeds they planted. Hagiography is really about giving glory to God rather than to the person alone, because it is God who hallows all our lives, makes us holy, blesses our legacies to be more than they could be on our own. On All Saints Sunday, we acknowledge that the saints surely stumbled, fell, and started many times over again, just like we all do. Yet we celebrate the legacy of love, mercy, faith, peace, and righteousness they left to us. On this day, we think of the people who surround us now, and those who have surrounded us in years past, and we look at their lives through eyes of grace and mercy, paying attention to the seeds of love they planted even in the midst of what may have been very complicated lives. And perhaps most of all, on this day we pray that God will take our messy and inconsistent lives and make of them a legacy that points to the kingdom of heaven.